Marissa Nadler, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me again. And thanks for also, once again, not running like hell from a site called the Great Southern Brain Fart. That's awesome of you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I think it's a great name. You wouldn't be surprised how many people are just like, like I've had lots of PR people who are like, I'm not even going to present this request to my artist because your name is so obnoxious. And I was like, well, they're lost. So yeah, (laughs) I was like, we can have some fun. And they were like, yeah, no, I'm like, okay, fine. But um, it's okay. They're not, they're generally not even my favorite ones anyway. So, but um, speaking of being one of my favorites, I I have been a, you've been a favorite of mine since um, the, um, Oh my God, of course, I was going to forget the name of the album. The one after July, what was that? Strangers. Strangers. When I first heard Strangers, I was so blown away because as a a folk singer myself, I always look for things that aren't the stereotypical folk music, if that makes sense. I mean, Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's done so much, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it's done really well. Sometimes it's not done well at all, but you, you really kind of had this vibe of like, it reminded me of like the Americana music that I love, but then it was the old school kind of almost like murder slash doom ballad, kind of like the balladier songs of the, the old country. And also kind of reminded me a bit of Hope Sandoval from Mazzy Star, who, yeah. So to me, it was like a big package of everything. So when you first got started, was this a direction that you stepped into right away? Or how did you, how did Marissa Nadler become what Marissa Nadler is? Yeah. You know, from the, the very beginning, I was um, pretty dark. Like my very first record is called Ballads of Living and Dying. So yes. I really was heavily steeped in a lot of different types of music growing up because um, my parents were into psychedelic rock and hippies. So mm-hmm. there was that. And then I grew up in the grunge era. So it, And then I got into folk music way later. So I think all those different influences just um it organically happened but i kind of came out with a bang with the very darkest stuff like songs called the undertaker and um, i think i was just being myself <laughs> it's again some of my favorite material because it was so different again you know from the you know i, I don't I, I was trying to explain it one day to a friend of mine and i was like i was like Think of if it was like a, like if Alice in Chains was folky, you know, there was like this, like almost kind of a sad melancholy beauty to it that it's almost like depending, it it covered many moods, you know, which I always appreciated. And, um, but so that's interesting that you kind of came right out of the gates like that, you know, like that you didn't start out, you know, singing happy folk songs. It was definitely intentional. I remember like I was in Rhode Island at the time in art school and I wrote that first record and I really didn't like coffee shop folk. Like I was actually pretty art schooly, you know, I would deliberately (laughs) didn't want to be like everybody else because I and um, I had a lot of dudes tell me to cut the reverb off and this is how you're supposed to finger pick. And, you know, there are plenty of old finger pickers that just use like the thumb and the forefinger, like Mm -hmm. just all these like traditional stuff really run me the wrong way. Weirdly. Um, in the Boston folk scene. So, well, you know, (laughs) when there's expectations, if you're a headstrong artist, yeah, I kind of feel like the same way, like, you know, like I said, growing up in the South, you know, people kind of have this impression of you of, you know, oh, you must be like 
Southern rock or whatever, you know, Southern folk. And I always used to say that the one thing that I loved about growing up in the South is that I felt like I was grown up to be like a, as a natural storyteller, you, being from New Orleans and lots of embellished stories and whatnot. But one of the things I never wanted to do was to just be, you know, I didn't want to be Avett Brothers or Mumford and Sons, you know, of course they were much later <laughs> in my life because, you know, I, I kind of looked at them and was like, oh, okay, you can have it. I don't my know. heart died a little bit when um, Bob Dylan got on stage with them at the Grammys. I was just going to say something about that. <laughs> It was like the one of the more depressing things that I've experienced is like, I mean, no, I don't mean to diss other bands. In fact, I make a conscious effort not to, but I definitely um, think there's for people that like that band or music. I hope they dig deeper into their inspiration. <laughs> I all, you know, it's so funny because I felt the same way about, so I guess, you know, when they first put out their first, I was the old crow medicine show. I, you know, I lived in North Carolina, all my wife and I did for quite a few years. And when they first came out, they were like street buskers. And so I loved them because I always thought that was so cool that they used to just sit out in front of the general store on weekends and just pick and play. But then like they kind of turned into one of those, again, one of those like Mumford and one of those big, you know, amphitheater folk acts and a part of me died when i found out that bob dylan actually gave them a set of lyrics that had never had music to it and basically gave it to them and they got to write that song and i was like i can think of five other artists off the top of my head that would have that should have had that you know and i just remember thinking like why them why <laughs> Sometimes things are just not fair, I think, or whatever, you know, maybe, um, Bob. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> I mean, call it jealousy. I'm sure people would say, you know, you're jealous or whatever, but you know, I mean, I'm not thinking for myself, you know, I'm thinking, you know, like, Hey, you know, call Kevin Kenny, you know, from Atlanta or call Marissa Nadler. You know, and give her Maybe one day. Fingers crossed. <laughs> He's getting quite old, though. I don't know, but he keeps pushing, so he might outlive us all. Him and Keith Richards, I'm sure, are just going to, you know, they'll still be playing long after we're gone, I'm sure. Must you know. be those ashes he snorted. <laughs> Keith Richards, it's like some reverse thing where um, if you, like, inhale the dust and bones of somebody you live forever. That's a myth I know, but it's funny. <laughs> you might be onto something though. Maybe we should look into this. <laughs> you know? so, well, so the funny thing was, was that the last time you and I talked was right. It was either right before or right after um, uh, for my crimes came out and it was really exciting. And, you know, I, you and I had been talking about you going out and doing some shows and whatnot. And then that was pre COVID and then all of a sudden like COVID hit. And then I was like, this is okay. Great. Now that means she's not coming to Atlanta, obviously to, you know, play for me and whoever else is going to be there. And, <laughs> you know, and, it affected so many artists on so many different levels. But what I loved so much being a fan of yours was the level of productivity that came out of you for COVID. Cause you know, I'm sure for you as a fan of music, also you kind of see that like some artists were you know, kind of folded up and said, I'm going to hibernate and I'm just going to, wait this out while some other artists were just like, okay, well, if I'm at home, I'm going to write music. I'm going to make records, you know, and you put out, you know, you had the drone flower album, which was fantastic because it was such a departure for you. And then you did that great covers EP. I mean, not EP that covers, uh, uh, it was a cassette and a digital album. Yeah. I think is what it was. And like, 
was there an overall shock that kind of hit you at first with the whole lockdown and pandemic? And how long did it take you to kind of come out of that? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, hey, Ozzy. It's just I love that thing. his name is Ozzy. You know, the dog next door's name is Motley. No. <laughs> his, his name is Ozzy Posborn. That was my name. Of course, That's my wife. So cute. Yeah, he's a 70 pound Doberman, but he's a big baby. So but anyway, so um, like so when it did go into lockdown, you know, was there an, an initial kind of like freeze for you and then how long did it take you to kind of come out of it to get start getting productive with this stuff that you did well yeah i mean it was scary for everybody i was worried about my family and worried about i'm already kind of a shut-in agoraphobic and um Mm -hmm. Not really in a full on, but um, I, you know, like yeah. indoor kid, you know, <laughs> so I live I think, in my basement pretty much. <laughs> I yeah. love it down here. You know? That's great. Yeah. I haven't left this room in two years, I swear. And um, and this is like where I recorded some of the record, actually. But um, yeah, I think I mean, I was I've always been a bit of a workaholic. I'm very dedicated to my craft because and I just moved to a new city. So I had no friends and was afraid to go anywhere. So what else was I going to do but um, work? And since I make a living only off music, like doing the band camp Fridays was a good thing to like keep me connected with my voice. And um, I was working on, I learned piano, just trying not to think about the the bad stuff, I guess, staying busy and, it, yeah, it's just what I do. I kind of head down, hope for the best. <laughs> it's funny because I was I was telling a friend of mine the other day that, you know, you know, it actually, you know, it, it agreed with me, to be honest, the whole concept of, you know, lockdown and all of a sudden I wasn't forced to have to be in social settings and, you know, being a writer, I spent a lot of time at going to a lot of shows and a lot of dank packed clubs and drunk people. And, you know, I'm always the guy that's like at the back of the crowd closest to the door. So that the minute the show's out, I'm like, get the fuck out of there and I'm in my car and then taken off before my friends even leave the building, you know? And so, <laughs> me too. so, you know, so like with all this, I had to find another way also to just like, to me, all of a sudden it was like, wow, this is great. Like, you know, so I, I blew, I spent like five, six, $700 worth of, you know, on software and taught myself how to program drums and, That's you know, cool. and, all of a sudden I'm in heaven, you know, I'm like, man, I'm making an album down here and I don't have to see anybody, you know, and it's kind of, you know, so it was cool to see that that really, uh, you know, agreed with you, you know, um, the covers album, I have to tell you, one of the things I was the most excited about was that you actually covered Moonchild by King Crimson. Yeah. Are you a Crimson fan? Oh Yeah. Um, my parents, as I said, were like, they, that was like, I think it was them that turned me on to them, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that song. I love that band. And, um, and my first record, my first concert was Jethro Tull and Procol Harum, like ever. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> and they took us to see the Rolling Stones on the Voodoo Lounge tour and Neil Young at the Orpheum. So like. I'm lucky in that way, but yeah, I love King Crimson and I'm definitely a classic rock. Well, I wouldn't even know if they're, they're not really classic rock. They're something bigger entirely. Yeah. They're like their own entity of sorts. It's like, they're just King Crimson. I, I was super lucky enough to see them a couple times live. And one of the things that always kind of impressed me, and I'm really kind of new into them. A buddy of mine has been trying to get me into them for like, seven years. And I just kept saying, no, no, no. And finally I heard him, And I was like, there is this kind of dark melancholy, almost 
there's a folk lying underground to a lot of the songs and whatnot. And so it was really interesting for me to hear you do that song because it sounded like a Marissa Nadler song, you know? So when you're approaching these covers, I mean, shit, you did a Metallica song way better than Metallica. And it's like my least favorite Metallica song, you know? Really? <laughs> yeah. And like, but like hearing you do it, it, it sounded like, you if that makes sense you know so when you're approaching these covers like do you consciously say like i'm j i've got to kind of change the essence of the song or is it just kind of natural for you just learning them and playing them it's just like my my i think it's natural just like i don't say i'm gonna change this um i think it's just my voice and specific aesthetic leanings in terms of production. Like mm -hmm. I uh, also for that covers record was very lucky to work with a really great musician named Milky Burgess, who is um, he actually played on strangers Two, plays okay. on the new record and did all the covers with me. Um, and he's like having that available, somebody that can play anything I want is really mm -hmm. nice just because, you know, like I love playing guitar, but I really love um, singing. And like, sometimes I want to have the songs be different than what I'm like. I can definitely finger style well, but I'm not a great like strummer. I've never been a great strummer and um, yeah. stuff like having the ability to say, you know what song I want to cover and then bam. So it was fun. Like that was fun. Um, I have a long list of songs just on my bucket list of like, I'll cover this next, you know? I was just cause I mean, you've got a whole collection of cover. I mean, I correct me if it was, this like your fourth collection of covers. I want to say, I want to say you, maybe it's four, maybe. And maybe like those are like unofficial kind of um, collections that over the many, many years have been, releasing music, I'd put them up on SoundCloud or right. even MySpace back in the day. And then I sold them on Etsy and um, some of them are really not great, like not greatly, not well recorded, not well sung. Cause I started out so young and um, well, not that young, but um, young I enough. <laughs> definitely like to go back and like re-record my trouble cover for instance. Or, oh like, yeah. That was so good. I think I could like sing it better now just cause my voice got stronger. Um, but yeah, I do love singing other people's songs and teaches you how to carve out a hook or whatever. It, it actually does. There's something about it, uh, learning a cover or a series of covers that I almost feel like kind of, not really changes your influence, but kind of maybe might even bring in a new influence in the way that you might approach your own, you know, uh, original material because you're kind of playing maybe a chord that you didn't play before or hearing like a lyrical structure or, you know, a bridge and things like that. Totally. So You've done a couple of metal covers. Are you a, are you a metalhead? <laughs> like, or were you? No, I mean, actually, I have to be honest with you. I'm really not a metalhead. <laughs> I understand why. I I mean, I'm on the, this like periphery of uh, like this because I well, I sang vocals on a Zaster record, um, mm -hmm. that, and that was like my first foray into being associated with the metal community and um, we're still friends. And I think he's really um, unique and a real, real art like original. I'll say that, you know, so right. that was like, I mean, yeah, I liked, um, I don't really know even what's classified as metal. I'm a, I like black metal, like ambient, beautiful metal. Mm -hmm. And I like, I don't really like like screaming, like aggressive yeah. or fast tempo me metal. Mm -hmm. um, I love like the stuff that influenced metal, like Black Sabbath is one of my favorite bands. And um, I do, I, I know a lot of those bands were 
came from some of those classic heavier bands originally mm-hmm. and I, I don't I mostly listen to like ambient music like and songs I love songs you know it's funny because I really over the right at the beginning of the pandemic I started getting really into um like soundscapes and things like that yeah kind of like what you're like these kind of ambient ethereal maybe even some like esoteric kind of sound like the soundtrack for the movie the witch um uh write that um, down oh yes i'll I'll be sure to send you actually do you do you listen do you spotify at all Uh, i hate to admit it because they're so horrible they are but it's i'm trying to um, transition to stream more on apple music because they Mm. compensate artists better or or Bandcamp is my preferred method of streaming because they really support artists but yeah i do listen on spotify to like dateline podcasts like all the all day long one (laughs) of the things i do is I, i i mean i buy everything from artists and then i listen on spotify also so they can get that point zero 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 one cent per song like yeah, you I, truly need like billions of listens and or like very high millions to break through um to make any money at all on spotify oh i'm not even you know like i, I you know i'm such a small musician that i literally it's sad if you pull up my Spotify for artists and it's got like the less than sign and it says less than a thousand. And I'm like, wow, you can't even give me a number under, <laughs> under a thousand. I'm like, so is it like 10 or is it like 999? So, you know, but like one of the things I, you know, I, I was, you know, you know, like I think I've had music from my solo stuff in my bands on Spotify for probably like seven, eight years. And I just got a payout uh, two weeks ago for uh, $25. <laughs> That's funny. Which was I know, fucking awesome. <laughs> because by the time it actually went through, it was like $22 because there's like a service fee and shit. I was just like... <laughs> This is why my dad said I'd never make a living doing this. You know? That's pretty funny. I can really, really, really relate. Like I have some of my old records that like got really well reviewed of like painfully low streaming numbers to like mm-hmm. July, which every, a lot of people think is one of my best records. It's like not a song that ha- it's just like you have to really work. That's why the social media stuff is why I'm so tired. I'm like, I hate doing it, but I have to do it. And it's killing me. (laughs) It's like the, it's like the most evil of necessary evils. (laughs) Like, and I can't even imagine, especially, you know, I mean, like what, what is it like for you to, uh, from the social media side? Because I also know that you have a lot of pretty like intense fans as well. Um, is it hard to deal with sometimes? And it's, there, it's definitely hard for somebody like me to deal with because um, if I had my way, I probably would never perform live again. Like I'm happy. I mean, I love singing and connecting with people, but it's everything else. Like, I don't know if you've seen um, what we do in the shadows yet that show yes. about vampires. Well, there's a lot of Colin Robinson's out there and, this, he's the psychic vampire. And I love that show, by the way. It's it so too. great. <laughs> so good. And I really relate to that because I feel like when you, there's a lot of like energy vampires out there. So when you're a sensitive, porous person like myself, it can be very overwhelming. And the minute you start getting really good reviews, there's always somebody that's going to want to bring you down. Like it's just yin and yang, like, Somebody wants to be a contrarian. Somebody that thinks like, oh, like if they only knew how many years of toiling away in absolute obscurity, <laughs> it's just like, it's a little tough. Luckily, the majority of the stuff on this cycle in the past few years, I've noticed a change where certain blogs are not as influential and people's voices are more like people are picking what they like. Like, the internet's 
and social media does give like the individual person a uh, little bit more of a voice, but yeah. yeah, I get some total psychos. I hit block a lot, like a lot, some stalkers, some really like really like stuff that makes me super uncomfortable, but it is what it is. Like I'm creepy old men. <laughs> Well, I stopped doing my merch myself finally after all these years just last week because it's like when you have to mail stuff overseas, you need to put a phone number on it. You need to. I had P.O. boxes, but still it's like mm-hmm. I because I, with. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm just excited for the cycle to be over so I can crawl back into my productivity chain, <laughs> you know, like. That's my happy place. It's like painting or making music and stuff. You know, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, like what you were talking about with the playing live thing is that the, you know, I was in kind of a folk rock band here in Atlanta for about, you know, about six or seven years. It was a trio that I'd put together and I loved playing live, but I was also just recently diagnosed with ADHD and one of the things that I've learned, especially as I've been going through this, is that there is this way of like people like me, we overcompensate for the ADHD. So we come across as being these super social people and almost extroverted. But mm-hmm. it was more like if when I'm around more than two people, like I'm I'm dying inside i'm like i'm just like please like let me go you know and then all of a sudden i'm like wow you know and people are like oh don is the the, you know the 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 ring holder and i'm just like no and i think with playing live as much as i enjoyed it it always kind of seemed somewhat of a hindrance to me too because i was like i i really just want to make music and you know, record and make the best kind of recordings I can do at my little home studio. But, you know, like if I, if I'm going to go back to ever playing live, like I'm going to go play on my fucking porch and have like five or six people over that. I actually like being around. (laughs) So feel free to come over because there won't be more than like five or six people here. You're in Atlanta. Know? Yeah, now that I'm in Nashville, that's not that far. Yeah. We're actually in, yeah, we're actually in Stone Mountain, so you won't even need to go into the city, which would be great. Cuz last time I played Atlanta, is that the Bottle Tree or what's the name of that indie venue? Oh, I got a check for thirteen dollars. That show was it, was it the Earl? Did you play the Earl it was, or? It was, I think it might have. I don't remember. It's like on the ground floor. You load in through the back. All I remember was like there were four people there, and um, my openers got paid more than I did, and it was one of those nights where you never forget. Like that check for it was like twenty two dollars or something. But um, yeah. I've played gigs where I owed the venue and I'm like, I don't even know how that happens. You know, it's like, how did my band play? And then at the end of the night, we owed the bar, you know, $25. I'm like, we, too much or something. I'm like, no, I'm like, and that's the other thing is that like, I I'm, I'm like a two beer guy at the mo- Like I drink like two beers a month, you know? <laughs> and so after a cab, like we drank like $10 worth of beer between three band members. <laughs> like, why do we owe you $25? You know, <laughs> not surprising. Like now when I play nice places, like I'm still so shocked and grateful because I did change in a lot of, um, rest stops and um, pee in cups backstage and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like, what are you going to do? If you, I'm not going to walk through a crowd. Like, uh-huh. have to, like get the, it's just like, Oh, anyway. So moving on up. Club but, bathrooms are disgusting. Seriously. Like, it's like, it's like a whole, it's like, it's like they grow things in there for science. I don't understand that anyway, but I love that. We actually just went into the bathroom topic. That was pretty cool. Um, Sorry. I've been like going to probably regret that, but I think I've revealed that in other interviews as well. So anyway, uh, 
I like it that it's just a loose conversation here. Anyway, yeah. So, but, um, you know, so to kind of go back a little bit with the, for my crimes album, one of the things I loved so much was that it was this kind of stripped down album, but yet lyrically and musically, especially from like, you know, the earlier releases, you could tell there was like this steady growth, you know, lyrically, um, that just seems to come with experience. But then like all of a sudden, you know, we get to, you know, the new album. And of course I want to get the title right because I feel like I've said it like a few different ways and it's path of the clouds. Correct. The path of the clouds. The path of the clouds. Okay. So I actually got the, um, cause for a while I was writing the path to the clouds and I yeah. was like, this is going to suck if I get this wrong. But the songs on that album, again, lyrically seemed to kind of go even to another level. So would you say that like with experience as we grow, you know, I hate to say older because you know, that's that comes with negative connotations. But I like getting older. I think getting older is cool because it means we've seen things. Me too. So do you feel like that with with age comes a whole new uh, I don't know what I'm trying. Yeah, I don't know if you, you you might know what I'm trying to say. Basically, like as we get older, perspective. Thank you. Is there a whole different perspective in the way you look at things as songs? I think it has, for me at least, I can only speak for myself that it has a lot to do with work ethic. Like mm-hmm. I, I spent a really long time writing that those songs. Like, but I do think that getting older makes you look elsewhere for inspiration. Like when you're 22, the most natural thing to do when you get your heart broken is to write heartbreak records. But like when you're a career artist that already has made many heartbreak records, like I knew I couldn't do that again. I knew that I had to reach deeper and to other and more universal themes. I mean, love is the most universal theme of all, but, and so is heartbreak, but there's there's different themes on this record that uh, I don't think I've touched on previously, like faking your death or vanishing, jumping out of airplanes, um, stuff like that. So, so I, I guess like any other artist or, you know, whether it's, you know, you're a painter or a photographer or a drawer, which you are a little bit of all, like those kinds of songs, like you said, like banishing and jumping out of planes or whatever, like, do those come from like a certain part of your psyche or is it just something that you kind of, again, kind of go back to the storytelling thing? Like, is it a story that fascinates you or is it something that's kind of deep inside of your, you know, your own? Yeah, I was, um, I'm, I'm, I've always loved watching um, like Law and Order SVU and Dateline and um, Love 48 Hours Murder Mystery and Unsolved Mysteries and plus lots of movies. I just um, I'm, I have a voracious appetite for entertainment and that's the kind of stuff that does it for me. And um, so I was like, a, you know, hold up in this room and I'm. I had this idea a long time ago to make an unsolved mysteries record. Like initially I was going to do the whole record like that, but I decided. Amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I, like my labels were a little like, like I didn't want it to be too kitschy, like, because you can have inspiration for songs about anything, but it's the songs that matter, not like the inspiration behind them. So right, I ended right. up like kind of, getting off on these tangents, like, well, why am I writing these songs? What do they really mean? And it became very clear to me that a song like Bestie, Did You Make It? Isn't, it's, it really isn't just about Bessie. It's about me and why am I so fixated on a woman um, disappearing, faking her death and possibly killing her husband or something. And let's mm-hmm. just leave that at that. But um, so I just realized that through writing about other people, I was able to write more about complex emotional things that I didn't feel comfortable sharing with the world. And 
such a vulnerable way. Like mm-hmm. when I wrote for my crimes, like the, some of the press, like really bo- bothered me. I'm not just some of the, um, stuff they wrote about like, kind of like I was kind of really heavily suggested by my manager to like put my personal life in the press release. And then I had to deal with it. Like every single review, like, like domestic, like uh, just like strife and broken relationships. It's just, it was so painful. So maybe that was part of the reason I was, I went into some more cosmic inspiration. It's maybe a little, of course, there's really, really brutally honest songs on this record, but you have to wait a little to get to them. <laughs> I mean, they, you know what I mean? Yeah, because one of the things I also was, I feel like that I, I connect with you as a writer too is, um, again, because how, you know, when I'm writing a song, I love to write in the third person, you know, Um I feel like there's so many people out there, songwriters who are first person songwriters that you're like, okay, I get it. Like you're sad, you're miserable. You're so emo. Like you cry a lot and you know, whatever, you know, but there was always something about me enjoying or relating to a songwriter who could create a character, Mm -hmm. but that that character was actually maybe 70 to 80% of themselves. But so you were hearing about a character, you were listening to their story and it would make you think like, okay, how much of that is actually them? If that makes sense. So it's like the indirectness of that. I have always appreciated in songs. And that's one of the things I love about, you know, um, so many of your songs, especially with the new album is that you kind of, went more into that i felt like this time around where it seemed to be more vague and almost kind of like like a like a narrative of sorts that you haven't visited a whole lot if much at all yeah it's definitely a very different record um i am what was i gonna say I was thinking as you were talking about Tangled Up in Blue and the two versions of it, there's um, like early one morning, the sun was shining. Um, I was laying in bed or mm-hmm. sorry. And then it was like he, I can't remember which, which is which. Cause I was deep into the demos, but they really like, I think he wrote it initially first person talking about himself and changed it to mm-hmm. he and she and didn't affect like the power of the song, but it's interesting. Um, or, um, well, he's definitely somebody that writes a story song, like nobody's business, like uh-huh. hurricane or, um, well, anyway, you just made me think of that. Cause ballad I, of a thin man songs like that. Like I almost feel like some of his songs don't make a whole lot of sense, but yet they, they do by not making sense if you know what i mean like it's like it's abstract it's like it's abstract as yeah it's the best way i could always he has some abstract he has a certainly a very abstract phase in his career when he wrote like desolation row and visions of johanna he was like going off Mm -hmm. on these beautiful surrealistic poetic um journeys that those were some of the very first songs i ever learned how to play on guitar because my i had my brother was like my almost famous that movie when yeah she she's like be cool like my brother kind of made me cool uh, uh, like turning me on to cool music and taught me how to play guitar and stuff and like i just remember um i, I forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> i did have a point that's okay you can keep going. as well so yeah <laughs> Did your brother like tell you to like light a candle and listen to blonde on blonde, you know, <laughs> he, he made me write fan fiction about yes, record covers. Um, no way. Really? He's a novelist. Actually. He's a great writer and like a professor of literature. So he was the, my earliest memories are because we had my parents vinyl collection and I was, I wanted to be a good writer. Like he was, he was like phenomenally gifted um from a very early age whereas i was 
very introverted and shy and not that I was maybe not as confident with my writing. And maybe I wasn't bad, but you know how you're, it takes a while to feel good about yourself when you're living up to great things. And um, he did definitely like also, yeah, he, li- he was like, listen to this record, uh, like this, uh, listen. Yeah. So I want to hear more about this, like short story, like fan fiction based on album covers. Like that's like all of a sudden when you told me that, like in my mind, I'm going like, I'm thinking of like, yes, songs and like closer to the edge, you know, but then all of a sudden I'm even thinking like, I wonder if I can do this was like maiden album covers. It would be a very cool theme for a record. Like put yourself as a character inside record covers. Like, and like, like I'm walking through a black space in a rainbow triangle, um, trying to find you. Like, for, I love it. You know what I mean? Like that could be. I think writing exercises are very helpful. Like the the unsolved mysteries thing at first was definitely an exercise, but then I was like, these songs are really cool. Like I have some early demos of them where I learned um, contact that program where you can program like Mellotrons and stuff. Right. Yeah. Some of the early demos of these songs are like very different sounding. So I'll probably release those at some point. Um, I actually find this as a writer, super cool to hear about these kind of writing exercises, because I feel like, especially, you know, a musician, even like yourself, I'm sure like you can never learn everything and you can never get too much knowledge about things to do. And now all of a sudden, as you're talking, like I, I like I kind of lost track of what you're saying, because all of a sudden I was thinking about what album covers I could write about, you know, and uh, you know, it actually is like, like a really and I, now I'm like, I'm going to make that record. I mean, you might beat me to it, but that's like this sounds like fun. Um, well, let, tell you what, let's, let's collaborate then and we'll we'll we'll, 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 we'll hit the finish line together. <laughs> like strangers was a i did cut up method like i think sometimes it's okay to um to use these things you know what do you mean by that what do you mean by cut out method it was a writing method um like popularized by um, william burroughs i think um okay david bowie used it in his writing where you just actually cut up words cut up like magazines and like make like collages out of those words. That's how I wrote a lot of the songs on strangers at first, like divers of the dust. Like I would like, uh, Oh, I'm so like, there's nothing new going on in my life. And it's a way of like, even sometimes words themselves can just be like, Ooh, I love that divers of the dust. What does that mean? Are we in the apocalypse? I'm putty in your hands. I just remember thinking, I was like, Oh my gosh, this lyric. I mean, that's, that's so funny because that really gives me a little more insight thinking about those songs now on that album uh, about some of the, uh, you know, like, like we were talking about, like, uh, God, I'm so terrible at losing words when I talk to people like the, um, just the kind of like randomness of the words, you know, the, how it all just kind of seems to fit together. But at the same time, you're like, how did these words actually work together? Cause they're not what I would normally like, I wouldn't talk like that, you know, or I um, wouldn't necessarily write like that organically. It like the cut up thing was definitely like the starting point. What I would do is then I would actually use a glue stick tape, like collages down, then type out what I had written and then turn them into couplets. And then, make them say like, well, what does this mean? And then write organically, like looking at them as inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, similarly, yeah, the new record was very much like the, some of the reviews were just like glomming onto the unsolved mysteries thing, but there's really only three songs on the record that are true stories and the mm-hmm. rest are about me, but you know, people, People just need a tagline like um, 
people do love true crime. So if it turns people on to my music, um, that's all that matters, you know? You know, and it's, I'm always frustrated a lot of times where, which is one of the things I started doing interviews for in the first place, like years ago was because I used to get annoyed by reading interviews or, you know, listening to podcasts and, and like, why are these same questions? You know, it's like so many people like to, you know, hone in on like one aspect of something. And like you were talking about, like with the true crimes thing, that wasn't even really something I thought about. Like I didn't even have anything to talk about with that. Like I was more about to say that with the album, I felt like it had a a little more of that character development that we were talking about earlier, but that I kind of got the sense that it was a little more personal, but yet you still don't let on about, you know, like, okay, I've decided to do a record about me. You know what I mean? Like it still had that kind of, you know, like I, I, like it wasn't super obvious to me that, that I was like, oh, she's making a self-indulgent record. No, that's good. Yeah, I, I think if you give too much away, it takes away the mystery. And I think a lot of art is best when it le- leaves the listener or the viewer um, their own way to enter and, and connect with the song. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I have a background as a a fine art teacher. So maybe that's why I think so much like that. Like, well, I don't want to tell you exactly what it's about. And I'm not going to, <laughs> cause then that's all that anyone's ever going to hear. And people like I have connections with songs that I love um, for reasons that are my own. Like, Oh, that's like shelter from the storm just reminds me so much of, a time in my life. I keep mentioning Bob Dylan songs for some reason, but no, but I love that because that's your connection. You know, that's like your, that's what, you know, that's what you relate to, you know, that it, it, it's, it makes sense. So anyway, I'm sorry. You're talking about shelter from the storm. Yeah. Just, it's like sometimes a song can just remind you of a time in your life. Like, so I try not to like, put spell out what the meanings of these songs are because I want people to find their own meaning in them. Well, that's the, I mean, to me, that's the best part about it is because, and I'm sure maybe you're the same way as far as listening to songs, but I don't, I, I like the idea of hearing something and you having to kind of come to your own conclusions or paint your own pictures or yeah. Again, like I said, yeah, I love to use the word narrative, but I feel like it's so synonymous to like this writing and songs in general is that you can either be completely transparent and give it away, or you can kind of create something that makes people almost create. Um, are you familiar with Michael Nesmith, you know, for the guy you know, from the monkeys, mm-hmm. uh, who's one of my favorite songwriters of all time. And he yeah. did he did a tour probably about seven years ago, and he called it Movies of the Mind. And what he did mm-hmm. was he took a collection of all his songs and grouped them into like triplets, you know, like like sections of three. And he created a narrative that told a story that combined all three songs, even though those three songs were not even remotely connected but he made this way of making you hear these songs and being like okay like i can totally see the imagery and i can see the connection you know and to me that's what makes listening to music interesting to me you know i agree i love that song he, um what is it her name was Joanne. Oh, so good. She lived in the middle. I actually really want to cover that song. That's on my list. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I, I, uh, I mean, oh, oh my God. Uh, Joanne, he, the crippled lion. Uh, oh my God. I mean, there's just so many, some of Shelly's blues. Yeah. You should just do a whole album. <laughs> Of his stuff. I do need to get more into him. I got to dig deeper. 
Yeah. Well, hang tight because I'll send you some stuff to dive into. But um, oh, speaking of matter of fact, before I forget, because one of the things I was talking about when I was listening when we were talking about Spotify and everything was that um, when I started to get into this kind of new music, you know, during you know during the lockdown, I started getting into soundscapes. I started getting into making them myself because a friend of mine gave me a bunch of you know, software and stuff to kind of play with on the iPad and the computer. And, um, but I started discovering people like uh, Anna von Hauswolf and uh, mm-hmm. Darker and things like that. Are you familiar with those artists at all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it was cool to hear because all of a sudden in, in, in my mind, I was like, okay, wow. Now I feel like Marissa Nadler has, this kind of a a home in my mind of music that maybe not everyone else would connect you to. Yeah. I mean, I think stylistically I could hear some, but I think I definitely get grouped in with like a lot of like the Gothic um, ambient stuff. However, there I'm very much like a song like there's so I'm a bit different in terms of like the nerdiness of my songwriting maybe or um it's more uh maybe more uh slightly different influences but, but I can see I do have a home like I'm friends with a ton of these musicians and um mm-hmm. try to support as many especially women musicians as I can just because people like to compare and pitch you against when power and like the whatever you want to call it community Mm -hmm. yeah i always kind of thought of you as kind of almost like americana gothic you know like your stuff definitely strikes me and i think and that's probably why i connected with you more so than a lot of other songwriters that that you definitely that you sometimes seem to be lumped in with is because it's almost that kind of Woody Guthrie, that kind of darker side of Americana, you know, where, you know, Americana music to some people is very, you know, happy. Let's do a jig around the campfire, you know, and, but there's always this darker side to the Americana, you know, there's an ambience to it. Like you said earlier. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely influenced by like all the classics, like, I love Johnny Cash and Hank Williams and Dolly Parton. And um, I love the Beatles and um, I don't know. I just wide ranging influences. Mariah Carey, uh, Beyonce. I love like, I mean, I could, it's just, but you know what? They're all a good song is a good song, right? That's what I, and I love great singers too. I love that. Yeah. I always say, regardless of the genre of music, if a song is good, a song is good, you know, Mm -hmm. But so for the with, with the new album, what I loved is that there seems to be you kicked it up a notch too. there's in, some instrumentation in there that I was not ready for. And, you know, yeah. like, you know, drums and bass and but things that like didn't even not that it, it livened up, but it's almost like it made it even <laughs> like darker and it kind of put some extra weight to those songs and you know was that a conscious effort for you when you were kind of coming up with the songs and going to record them like did you kind of envision that that's that's the result was going to be no it just happened organically i mean i have a set of really great players like um well milky played a lot on this record um a lot of the electric guitar. I played a lot of the acoustic guitar. Um, mm-hmm. Milky did some of the synths and arranged a little. And um, I had then my piano teacher, Jesse Chandler, he did the beautiful woodwinds that you hear. Like, oh, in piano. so beautiful. I was going to ask you about those next. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And um, it's really unique sounds. And it's just, some of the songs like couldn't have done the killing when I wrote it. Like I was just, I wrote it on with bar chords strumming it. And I'm like, this needs to rock. Like, I mean, right. I, much <laughs> exactly. of people's like misinterpretation. I loved it. It may be a slow rocker, but 
it's getting added to the folk playlist. And I'm like, this is not folk. Like, <laughs> on, genre is that's not a folk song. That is like pretty much a rock song, if you ask me. Like, right, or, right. Whatever. Yeah, I totally, I totally realized it because that was the other thing too, was that, you know, and even just the, the influences in general, like, you know, I made notes about, you know, some of the songs I remember, like, but the title track, it, you know, it seemed to have kind of a Pink Floyd influence, but yet it had that, that Southern kind of twang with like the tremolo guitar to it. And that was an area that I hadn't heard you yeah. go into yet you know so fresh blood yeah um, the, <laughs> the pink Floyd is like my all-time favorite so it's no surprise it's finally coming through like i love pink floyd and that was like my favorite band growing up and you are one my of best them. friend ever <laughs> so, I, like, I can't stand people that say that like pink floyd got bad after um sid barrett i'm like are you serious like that's such bullshit. Um, sure. I don't really, when you get up to like the division bell era, I'm not, I'm, I love like animals, metal, dark side, um, the soundtrack to the film more. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. The color green. That sounds so pretty big oh, influence. So, I used to cover and, that one in my folk sets. Oh, cool. Green, green is the color. Yeah. Love that. God, I'm getting so many good ideas. I'm going to make a little list because I, <laughs> you know, I need to like chill out because people, you can't like, there's a thing where it's like, I don't want to be too prolific or else people won't listen when I put something really good out. They're like, it's her ninth album. I'm like, yeah, but this one's better. Come on. <laughs> and it's, um, no, no, this is the best one. Uh, I, is, I yeah, happen is, to like it the best because I produced it myself and there was no manager. Like it was just a real feminist outing on my part. Like, well, that was going to be my other thing was that, you know, when you get, when you, when you are your own all hands on deck, that's gotta be a much more gratifying thing than having so many hands on the pot because now you can kind of look at it and kind of go, you know, I formed that with my own hands for the most part, as opposed to having a bunch of people come in and say, you know, Oh, I'm going to turn this knob and no, yeah, it nobody turned it into way. anything. I didn't want them to turn it into like, but that has happened to me before in studios and, because of the nature of my personality, I think I can come across as a real pushover. And um, mm -hmm. so was, I think I'm going to keep producing my own records, like, and maybe even produce other people's records sometime. I love that. You can produce my next one if you want. Sounds cool. Because because uh, uh, I'm I, uh, I, I, I definitely tend to fall into the whole, you know, I cave a lot. You know, even when I was in a band, if I was in the studio with my band and we were recording and I had this idea, if everyone was like, I think we should do this, I'd be like, okay. You know, and then when it was done, I'd go, oh, I wish we would have done it this way, but I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> you know? Path of least resistance. I know I hate conflict too. Oh. But then whenever you hear it, do you go back yourself and go, do you still listen to certain things with some regret or yes, is, is there a level of acceptance? You have to accept it. I mean, I have entire records. I would like take off the internet if they weren't like paying my bills or, <laughs> you know, like just cause I was so young, like that I don't like the way that I sang at the very beginning, like my second record, I just like had so much vibrato hanging out with people that were rubbing off on me, sending me all these like British Isles folk records. And I was like, I'm an opera singer now. And um, so I regret like some of my moves. Yeah. And um, that's part of it. You have to just let it go. I don't have anybody rich enough to like clean up my reputation on the internet. Scrub that shit down. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, exactly. So. But you're also in this weird place because it's like, you don't have anyone rich enough to do it, but you're also uh, too popular to do it yourself, you know? So it's like, like, I think my shit, I think I could disappear off the internet and no one would know. 
where I went, you know. Oh, I'm sure that's not true. That maybe you don't know how many, how close you are to a thousand. You know, I'm sure you're gonna break that arrow. But yeah, people, I have thought of, I have deleted a few things that I was embarrassed by, and people do get mad, like they they think they own you. You owe it. Why did you take that down? That was mine. You know, and you're like I bought it, and I'm like <laughs> anyway. So I'm I'm leaving it all up there. But I might re-record yeah. some of the early stuff. I I think that there's something cool to be said about that because I've thought about doing that with some of my own early folk stuff because I can't listen to it at all. Like I listen to it, and I go, God, you sound so unsure of yourself and so unconfident, and I'm like, you know the stuff that I recorded when I was 23, you know, at 48, I was like, Oh, I could do that so much better. I mean, I, I don't think I could sing better. I'm not a great singer, but I could at least sing it with more confidence, you know, and be a better guitar player, you know? So, but there's something to be said about that, you know? So, well, to, I guess to close out real quick, what is your plans for the album? I know you said you don't like to tour or play live though. Are you? Well, I shouldn't like, I should clarify. I don't know. I have mixed emotions about it. Like I'm just, I get nervous and it takes a lot out of me, but yeah, I have a gig. Got my record release show in New York city. And do you have any, like, uh, do you have like a, 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 like a tour planned or anything or. Not right now. I'm playing Psycho Las Vegas, that big festival this mm -hmm. summer. Um, I told both of my booking agents, like, let's just take it on a case by case basis as the offers come in because COVID is still real and I'm not like young enough to be immune to it, even vaccinated. And so like, I, mm -hmm. I'm not like that comfortable with the concept of like playing while the pandemic is still killing over a thousand people a day in the country. So it's like, I'm doing it. I hope it's like eradicated or under control by like the spring or summer. And I would like to do like some, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I mean, if, if there's a demand and like, I would do it and you get a little scarred for life playing for like people talking through you and like, heckling you and <laughs> but I, i'm like kind of doing a disservice i can put a good live show on i have in my life but <laughs> so i've seen on youtube by the way you know like it's the only way i've seen you live but you hold your own i think this show is going to be great because i'm putting together it's going to be the whole sh record start to finish plus some covers at the end and then like we like really good musicians. So it's not as much pressure on me to fill up all the space, finger picking or playing the whole time, doing harmonies with pedals. Like right. we have a real harmony now, like with a real person. Well, that's going to be great because like you said, I think it's going to, it's going to really represent the sound of the new album and maybe even bring something new to some of the older songs that maybe didn't have that kind of presence in the past. Yeah. Hope so. Well, Marissa, I swear I am so uh, the new album is fantastic. I love it. I love hearing that you are continuing to to just wow me as, as as a music lover. And, you know, I really hope that more people listen to it and get out of it. At least what I got it, what I get out of it. And um, and I hope you make it down to Atlanta. Oh, cool. Love to. Thanks so much for talking to me again. Well, thanks for hanging out and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. You too.